Hi friends, welcome to the Genesis of Shame podcast. I'm your host, Sam Landa, and I'm here to help you speak biblical truth to the shame you experience in relationships. My hope is that you grow in your understanding of how shame impacts you so you can learn how to connect with God and others. If you've experienced fear, hiding who you are, boundary issues, anxiety, and or depression in your relationships, then this podcast is for you. It's time to speak truth to your shame. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Genesis of Shame podcast. As you know, we are slowly moving along here throughout this series of um, how to deal with being hurt by the church. And I've already discussed a couple of uh, topics in the last couple of weeks, if you've seen those, having to do with abuse in the church. Um, but one of the things that I was worried about or wanted to address as well is how Christians should be responding to being hurt by the church. And I thought of uh, our guest today, Patrick Hubbard, who um, has dealt and has, um, I don't want to say dealt, but maybe has worked with or has talked to a lot of people who have experienced hurt by the church. And I wanted to get his perspective on what it looks like to respond as a Christian when you are hurt by the church, because a lot of people are pulling away from the church because of that. You'll hear a lot of stories where I don't want to have anything to do with the church because they hurt me in this way, in this way, in this way. And I wanted to discuss with Patrick, is that the proper response? What is the biblical response to that? And have conversations about what is moving people to have uh, to want to leave the church or separate from the church. So hopefully today's discussion is helpful with that. So Patrick Cover, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to having Patrick. He's here today. And uh, before we begin, as always, I just want to remind you to uh, subscribe to the podcast. If you've been listening to a couple of episodes now and you've enjoyed it, definitely feel free to subscribe and uh, share the episode. You know, these are episodes that are based off of conversations I have with people, uh, things that I see on social media, see um, issues surrounding these topics. So feel free to share them if it helps you. And um, that's a good way to get the word out. But um, yeah, before we begin today, uh, Patrick, um, I know I've known you through church we used to go to and just kind of following you on social media, but my audience may not know you, so I just mm -hmm. wanted to give you a short chance here to, uh, to just kind of share a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure, sure. So uh, I lead a, uh, a nonprofit church planning organization that focuses on uh, needy communities in the developing world. And I also pastor a, a small a church that we, we planted here in uh, Lynchburg. And uh, so between the two of those, that that, uh, that keeps me pretty busy. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. You got a family, three kids. Yes, yes. I got a uh, family, three kids. My son's in college. My daughters are uh, high school students. Uh, my wife and I will celebrate our 29th wedding anniversary awesome. uh, in in a month or so. And uh, so we're... we're uh, we're we're doing well yeah yeah that's awesome sir um again i just want to say thank you for being here today you know this is very a very important topic and um i think one of the questions that uh comes up a lot is what is the church especially with this past year dealing with covid and you know um, one of the comments that you would hear often is the church is the people not the building and so on mm -hmm. um so when people talk about being hurt by the church it could mean a lot of different things um, but can you just share with us a little bit about what is the church and maybe even a little bit about your church plan uh, mm -hmm. started sure so when we think about the church there's a couple of different ways to look at it one we have the 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 universal church the global church uh, and that is everyone who has repented of their sin and put their hope in Christ for salvation mm -hmm. uh, when we do that we enter into the body of Christ that's the language Paul uses um, and, and so we are brothers and sisters. We are members of the same body with people all over the world geographically and people uh, across time, right? So uh, theological terms, we talk about the church militant, that's the church in the world today, and the church triumphant, that's the church uh, that has gone on to be with in the presence of Christ uh, in heaven. And, and that's that. All of that makes up the universal body of Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, but within that, we have uh, individual local churches, which are the manifestation of that global body in a given community. Mm -hmm. um, and and typically, 
that local church. Well, there, there's different views, different opinions, but at, a, at the basic level, a local church is an assembly of people who are being uh, taught uh, the word and who are partaking of ordinances, uh, baptism, the Lord's Supper. Um, and that's just a simple definition of the local church. And that's when we talk about people being hurt by the church, that's typically what they're talking about. They've been part of a particular local church where something has happened and they've been hurt for one reason or another. But but I think that's the big picture. Also, another helpful thing that as we get into this discussion, I'll say it now in case I forget to later. Uh, I don't know who I'm picking this up from. I think it's probably Calvin, John Calvin. But he talks about the, the visible church and the invisible church. Mm. Um, and so the invisible church is the true church. It, it's those genuine followers of Christ. Um, and, but the visible church is everyone who professes to be part of the church. Mm. And so what we find out is um, the, 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 the invisible church, the true church, um, is not always identical with the visible church. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be some uh, some tears in with the wheat, we, we, we would say. Um, and so that's helpful when we're thinking about issues of uh, people being hurt by the church, um, is to, to remember that not everyone who is in a church who says they are part of the church are genuinely repentant, born-again followers of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's a helpful distinction to keep in mind as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, one of the uh, topics discussed was that, that there are wolves in sheep's clothing who do come in to do damage to the church, and a lot of times it is done in, in that way. Um, why do, this just came up to me as we were talking about the church, but I was wondering why people come to church. I remember hearing a quote saying, what you draw people in with is what you draw them to. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see this a lot with either it can be mega churches or even even smaller churches but i think it's more known with mega churches that they'll use different means to get people to come to church um, from your experience why do people come to church uh, that's a good question i think um i think it's any number of reasons of course like when i the work i do in the developing world i mean people are coming to the church because the church is feeding them um, there's there's things physical needs are being met um, here in our context, that's that's not normally the case. But I do think part of an issue that we have, and not to shift, I'm not shifting responsibility, but part of the issue that we have is people are coming to the church for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and because they're coming for the wrong reason, their expectations are not going to be met. Mm. And then they're going to be frustrated. Um, now, there's plenty of things that the church does wrong um, to hurt people, and we can talk about that. But I do think there is a reality where um, if we go all the way back to uh, Genesis and we look at the call of Abraham, right? That happens right after Babel. So the nations are just, the languages are confused, nations are dispersed. And so now this one humanity has been dispersed to the ends of the earth and all these nations have been made. And then the first thing that God does in the very next chapter is he calls Abraham. Uh, so that Abraham and his descendants might be what? A blessing to the nations. Mm -hmm. So from the very beginning, God's chosen people are set apart for not for the purpose of themselves, Mm -hmm. but for the purpose of being a blessing to the nations. And that that storyline unfolds and follows all the way through the scriptures. And the same is true for the church today. If you're going to the church for how it can bless you, what you can receive from it, then you're setting yourself up to be disappointed mm-hmm. because the church is filled with fallen, flawed uh, people. Mm-hmm. But if your understanding of church is that I am part of God's called out people with a mission to go into this community and be a blessing, then that shifts the focus. And, and I think it helps us navigate some of the some of the things that we may get our feelings hurt or get upset with in the local church Mm. uh, because we've been trained uh, to where it's all about the programs, the the music, the this, whatever. 
And so it becomes very me-centric. Yeah. And when it's me-centric and then it stops being me-centric or something that rubs me wrong to, happens, then I don't want to do that anymore. I want to move on and go find a better product, mm. um, a better service. And that's I think that's part of the issue that we have in our cultural context sure and that's a and that's a good point too because i think people do say that that's one way in which they may be hurt by the church um someone doesn't say hi or something bad happens with the program not enough for me mm-hmm. uh, for my family and i mean i wonder if those are i don't know if those are bad things in and of themselves but we make them the centerpiece of going to church mm-hmm. and i think what what you're saying it sounds like that we need to come into church thinking as a christian what is my purpose in carrying out the mission that God has for us? That'd be good. Yeah, that's a good that's a good synopsis. I, now, again, I don't want to diminish. I think I think the church is called to be a community. We're called to love and encourage and build up sure. one another. And so, when those things happen, where people do get disappointed and hurt, it hurts and it's right. and it's and it's real and um, and 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 serious. But I think if we have an understanding of how can I be a blessing to this body how can i through this body be a blessing to this community to the nations um, then i think that helps us go into it with the right type of perspective and we can navigate some of those hurt feelings and shortcomings a little bit better mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and i think it's also good to remind ourselves and remind maybe the listeners about uh, the good that the church has done, mm-hmm. how Jesus has used the church to carry out his purposes. And are there any things that you see now or that you have seen before that highlight where the church has been a blessing to, to not just the, the body of believers, but to the world? Mm-hmm. Well, again, one of the easy, like low-hanging fruit for me is, is the organization that I work with that is being supported by Christians and churches in the U.S. to go and start churches Uh, in places like Brazil and Thailand, and through those churches, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, providing medicine, helping to educate people. Mm -hmm. Uh, All that's being done by uh, individual Christians and local churches working through that. Um, But in a local, in in our more local context, uh, I think one of the ways, one of the the primary of what the church is called to do is to make disciples. Mm Right, so one of the major ways that the church blesses its members is by discipling them into greater faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I don't think of discipleship as uh, head knowledge. I think that's a, a, a mistake that we make. Mm-hmm. But discipleship is teaching them to obey all that Christ has command commanded. And so, discipleship is learning to live a new way in accordance with the commands of Christ. Uh, the design for life that he has. Discipleship is learning to live that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's a big blessing of the church is helping us to be able to do that. As an elder at a church, that's my job. That's my responsibility. But I also think in, in, in the little church, my own anecdotal experience in the little church that I lead, just simple things like um, just broken, hurting, lonely people finding a community where they're accepted um, and and loved and cared about. And when they're not there, people notice. And mm. and and when they get sick, people check in on them and look after them. And and when they have financial needs, uh, people in the body rise up to meet those needs. Ultimately, if the church is functioning the way it's supposed to and we're bearing one another's burdens and thus fulfilling the law of Christ, then then there's no limit to the blessings that will overflow to the body. Hmm. Um, but I think the, the difference is, is those blessings are an overflowing of being part of this community. We shouldn't go into the community expecting and looking for how can I be blessed by this hmm. is where we get into trouble, I think. That's a good point. Good distinction to make there. Um yeah, so in seeing the good that's been done by the church, obviously one of the things that uh, we also don't want to ignore is how we have hurt people in the process as well. And it is a very delicate balance because mm-hmm. the way, I think you kind of alluded to that now, the way that the church was intended and what it is today, they don't seem to line up, right? God mm-hmm. gives us clear commands in Scripture of how the church should be. 
and it doesn't seem that we're meeting that that standard in a lot of different churches. So, what are some of the when you have people come and share with you, or just based on what you've seen, um, why are people uh, leaving the church, or how are what are some ways in which the people are being hurt by the church? Okay, yeah. So you know, for me, the church plant that I um, have here, lead here in Lynchburg. Um, we started as a Bible study at my house. Mm. Another guy and I were teaching it, and, and he's we, we eventually launched the church plant. Um, but we were doing this Bible study, and it was initially for people who were not plugged into a church. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so through that process, over about a year, we decided to organize and establish a local church. Now, most of those people... Um, that we picked up in the Bible study. Some of them were part of, of a church and they stayed where they were. Mm-hmm. And then some of the other ones who were in the Bible study, when it became a church, they just couldn't make that transition. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, for whatever reason, they'd been hurt. They didn't, they just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And so we actually ended up starting the church with just like two families. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, we didn't have a launch team. We didn't raise money. We didn't do any of that. Uh, it was just a couple of families. We started gathering. But over time, the Lord began to bring us uh, people. And we're not a huge church. This is this is all anecdotal. It's a small sampling of people. But the Lord began to bring us people uh, who had been out of church for a year, three years, ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, and we began to minister to and work with those people. And, and we've done some things, I think, that have facilitated that. Um, but many of those people, um, again, they're being hurt by, um, the local church, right? And so some of the issues are, you know, we could go down the list of, you know, gross sin failings. Uh, we could do that on the national level. Most all of us could probably do it on a more personal level. Mm. Um, and so, and so there are those people that have been were somewhere in leadership was abusive or uh, someone fell into sin or whatever and they left. But a lot of what we've seen is just churches taking people for advantage of people, uh, getting what they can from people, and then and then casting them aside, treating it like um, a business, treating it like a business. It becomes. Um, I believe in organized local, the, the organized local church. I think the scripture teaches that. When Paul uh, sends Timothy, in Timothy, Paul leaves him in Ephesus for the purpose of appointing elders and organizing local churches. Mm-hmm. He sends Titus, uh, I believe it's to Crete, for the purpose of calling elders and organizing local churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe in organized local churches, but the problem we have is often the the organized local church starts to exist for the benefit of the organization mm-hmm. and or the leaders and not for the body as a whole or the community the community at large mm-hmm. and that's when we get into trouble that's when things become abusive and that's where people you know they come and they get um you know, they take what they can from them and when they can't get any more, kind of cast them aside. And mm-hmm. um, people in ministry that just get kind of chewed up and spit the other way, the mm-hmm. church, the, the member, the people in the church uh, chew up and spit out pastors and leaders and they get burned out and, mm-hmm. and they walk away from ministry. I've got a friend that, that uh, um, was it that that is in that boat mm-hmm. Um and so you see that going in either direction. So definitely there's, there's hurt. Um, sometimes it's the fault of the church and the leadership. Sometimes pastors and leaders are hurt by the church. Um, and then sometimes we bring things on ourselves. Like it's not necessarily the church's <laughs> fault, right? right? If, if, if you've been in five different churches and the same things happened in all five, Right. There may be a common denominator there that you need to right. that you need to address, mm-hmm. um, and so I think those are some of the issues. But but again, I, I think one of the biggest things that I've seen, and again, this is anecdotal. I, I'm at a small church, but I think one of the biggest things I've seen where people have been hurt and discouraged by the local church is people that come in and they're and they're they are maybe a little bit different. 
um, they don't they don't quite they don't quite have the network or the resources or anything to offer mm-hmm. and and they just kind of fall through the cracks mm-hmm. um, and I think I think there's a lot of people out there that have experienced that and you know once you experience that a couple of times it's easy to get jaded it's easy to get bitter um, and it's easier to say you know what I'm just going to be in the global church and forget the local church mm-hmm. which I, th- I understand that, and I think for a season when you've been hurt, that may be healthy, but ultimately long-term, that's not mm-hmm. the way God has structured this to work. Mm-hmm. Um, he's called us to gather um, with local bodies of believers um, and function as a church, but I, I think I answered your question there. No, yeah, no, you did, and, and you know, um, leading kind of to this next question, so when you see things that are happening within the church, both from a leadership position, so pastors at churches, you know, well-known churches, smaller churches, whatever. And you see also the Christians or the people who attend those churches. Um, Like, what's your general observation of that? Because I think one of the things um, that has been really leading people astray is bad doctrinal teaching. That's one aspect. But I think the other aspect, too, to your point, is also the outpouring of that into the community what does this look like to love your neighbor to love the people within the church and also to love your community because that is where you make the most difference yeah personally is what i believe but um so as you look at that what do you see what do you see are the dangers what do you see are the good things that we're doing that the church is doing the bad things that they're doing um i think we kind of touched a little bit just on the people Mm -hmm. and why they attend church yeah yeah definitely and and i i definitely want to affirm like i I love the church i love the local church and by no means am i saying that um my little church has this all figured out and we're doing it right and and others are doing it wrong that's not at all what i'm saying um, but I do, I do see, I think, some consistent issues that I see. I would agree with you on, um, on wrong doctrinal teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think wrong doctrinal teaching probably is broader than what sometimes we maybe think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's probably, uh, wherever you fall on the spectrum, there's wrong teaching to the right of you and to the left of you. True. Um, and so I think I think that's part of the issue. I think one of the bigger things that I've seen that that I think is a problem <clears throat> beyond bad doctrine, which maybe is a maybe is connected to bad doctrine, but is bad polity or bad structure, bad governance. Hmm. Um, and so you have less biblical leadership <laughs> approaches. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's there's different views on some of this stuff. And, and you can love Jesus and think I'm don't know what I'm talking about, and that's okay. Um, but I think what I've seen is sometimes is leadership structures that are not exactly according to what I understand the biblical structure to be. They end up elevating. You end up with like a pastor CEO type mindset. Um, you end up with um, just any number of dysfunctions. And, and, and that ultimately leads to problems. It may... It may take a year, it may take five years, it may take 20 years, but I think it ultimately leads to problems. Mm-hmm. Now what happens is um, businesses only have one CEO for a reason, right? When you have one CEO, it, you, can, you can be effective, you can get things done, you can make quick decisions, you can move. And the problem is when we start thinking of the church like a business, and we start elevating pastors to this role of like CEO, and they're the one that's basically um, now. If you want to grow a mega church, that's helpful, right? If you can have that type of charismatic, uh, light, um, gifted person that can lead that way, you can grow a church. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, I think what we see in the scriptures is a plurality of elders um, and, and, you, and, and you actually striving to not elevate one person over and above the others as the, uh, the supreme leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, I forget the, pas- the passage in scripture, but they're fighting over, you know, you know I was baptized by Paul, you know, I was, you know, whatever. And, and Paul shuts that down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's an issue where we've, we've, perhaps because of bad doctrine or because of practicality we've structured churches in such a way that we get that we think we have to have this 
charismatic, um, highly skilled leader who can get things done and we put them into a place of leadership. Um, but I, I don't think, like, I don't see that the church being developed that way in the scriptures. Right. Now, I do think the kind of pastor CEO role um, is, it's easy, right? As, as and, and this cuts both ways, right? As the pastor, if you can just cultivate a, an environment where you're the CEO and what you say goes, then it makes leading the church much easier, mm-hmm. right? It's much easier to, lead, it's much more difficult to lead by consensus, right? To take your time and 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 get people to buy into uh, where you're trying to go and, and, and methodically and slowly move in that direction. That's hard. Your church is not going to grow rapidly that way. You're not going to explode. Um, and, 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 and it's a lot more work and you have to be vulnerable. Like you might be rejected. Your ideas might be shut down. You might be told no. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's, that's part of it. Um, but then this cuts the other way too, right? If you're a member of the congregation, if you can just let that one guy be responsible and do everything, then you can sit back and be a consumer mm-hmm. and you don't have to like put in the effort to know what's going on and look behind the scenes and hold someone accountable and, and, and be informed and you don't have to do the hard work of confrontation when things are going a way that you think they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it, it kind of cuts both ways. It's easier for the leader if he can cultivate that environment. And sometimes the, the congregation itself is, is happy for it to go that way because it's easier for them. Um, and, and, and so to cultivate that plurality of elders where the congregation, the body, the members are, are being shepherded, but also holding those elders accountable uh, so that there's a mutual accountability there uh, is, is messy and difficult and and I think that's part of the issue is mm. is again that kind of consumeristic mindset is we're going to hire this guy and he's got great leadership skills and he's charismatic and people love him and they 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 naturally follow him so we're going to make him the pastor um, and then we're just going to show up on Sunday and sing beautiful songs with great music and. And, and have these programs that primarily benefit us um, and, 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 and like it and it's good. And then, and that's easy. Right, right. But to, to, to cultivate accountability, to hold, um, to, to lead by consensus, to, to focus on we're not here to be blessed, we're here to be a blessing, that becomes much more difficult. And, and frankly, less appealing for a lot of people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's maybe maybe part of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know I know we're kind of touching on different aspects of this, but one of the elements that I have also heard is when sin is being addressed in the church from the pulpit, or even within conversations, small groups, whatever the case is. Sometimes people feel hurt from that, and they pull away. And I don't know if it's because. I have some some guess as to why, but I don't know if it's because they are not believers and aren't able to receive that biblical correction, or is that they are believers and don't like the way that it's being presented by the other person. Mm-hmm. So there's those aspects. So I think those are more um, things that we'll see more more common, but also the bigger things like if there is gross sexual abuse or spiritual abuse mm-hmm. or physical any of those type of things. So we also see that. And I was thinking about this last week, actually, you know, saying, why is that? And one of the things that came to my mind and came into my mind was the church in the last couple of weeks, at least more of these bigger churches, um, have preached a lot of love and grace, which is biblical. But I think it's been saturated so much that love and grace has come to mean I can't confront someone with their sin. Mm. And therefore, when someone in leadership sees something, they don't feel like they could address it or someone even uh, friends within the church body they know something's going on they know they could say something but they don't want to because they don't want to hurt their feelings they want to assume too much so those are some of the observations that i've made Mm -hmm. um what are your thoughts on that i understand where you're coming from and i think probably for the most part we're on the same page so i think there's multiple things going on i think ultimately 
and not to not to diminish anyone's pain or hurt, right. but I think there is an element where you know, like we see in First John, they went out from us because they were not part of us. Mm-hmm. There are people who leave the church, uh, some of these people who are deconstructing their faith. Yeah. Um, part of that, there we, we can't we can't neglect the possibility that they're not repentant, born again believers. Mm-hmm. They came. They saw, they, they participated, but they eventually fell away because they weren't part of the church. They weren't one of us, right? So there is that element. And, 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 um, but in cases where we're talking about people, genuine believers who are leaving and falling away, um, I do think that sin needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of the issues we have there is you may, you may very well just have an immature believer who doesn't want that particular button pushed. And when it gets pushed, they don't like it and they leave. And, and, and if as a pastor, as a preacher of the word, if you've, if you've preached the word faithfully mm-hmm. um, and you've done it in a way that is gracious and, 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 and they respond that way, I think you should try to make amends. You should try to, to, to draw them back in. But if they leave, they leave. Mm-hmm. Now that that being said, I do think there are, there's more more biblical ways to do things. One, um, as an elder, I'm running a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to be able to preach and speak hard truths to people, and and I'm blessed to be in a place. Uh, our church is four years old, and and I I I I believe that I can preach anything that I'm convicted to preach. People may not like it. They may disagree with it, but there's not been division. Mm-hmm. And so I have that ability. But I think the reason, the way you get to having that ability is by have, by being faithful and building relationships with people. I think one of the issues with pastors mm-hmm. is that some pastors, and to each his own, everybody's got different ways, but the idea that the pastor spends you know, 30 hours a week in his study preparing a sermon and then he goes out and preaches. I don't agree with that model, right? Um, I think I think you, you spend your time with the people, building relationships with them, developing trust, so mm-hmm. that when you go out and preach hard truth, they receive it because mm-hmm. they know that you care about them. They know mm-hmm. that you love them. They know, um, I think another thing that sometimes happens is as a pastor, it's really hard for me to go to Sam and say, hey, or as an elder, it's hard for me to go to Sam and say, hey, I've, I've observed this. This has come to my attention. I think this is sin, um, and I think I think I think you need to address this. Mm-hmm. Like that that confrontation is difficult, and so a lot of times what pastors or preachers may do is mm-hmm. instead of talking to Sam, we get up and we preach at Sam from the pulpit in front of the whole church, mm-hmm. and. And Sam's not dumb. He figures that out and he doesn't like it. And I don't blame him. All right. So I think maybe sometimes that happens. Right. Um, And so I think there's there's different things going on. But I do think um, I do think that we are called to preach the scriptures. And as I said, I'm, I'm blessed to be in a place where, you know, even over the past year through COVID and and election turmoil and everything that was going on where I know there's people in my con- the congregation that didn't necessarily agree with what I was saying at a given time, but they didn't leave the church. They didn't cause division because why? Because I think because they trust me because I've built a relationship with them mm-hmm. and they believe that what I'm preaching is what I believe to be true, and I believe to be in their best interest to hear it, mm-hmm. um, even if they don't necessarily like it or want to hear it. Um, but what I think, not to get off the subject, no, but no. I think um, I think what happens in our churches, the church I'm at is very diverse. Like mm-hmm. we've got probably as small as we are, you know, about forty people. Uh, we've got every denomination you can think of is probably represented. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty broad spectrum of people which is challenging sometimes when it comes to preaching. Yeah. But fortunately, I'm able to preach as I'm convicted, and, and, and that's good. Um, but I think when we, when we look at some of that, I think what happens is in churches we get in these tracks. And so the preacher has his certain sins that he hits on every week. 
and 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 then the other sins never get never get addressed. Mm -hmm. So what happens is people come and visit that church, and the people whose toes get stepped on every week leave, and the people whose toes never get stepped on they love it and they stay. And then over time, what you have is this this homogenous group of people who who think the same way, who view everything from the same perspective. Um, and then what, ha- and, and they think they have unity, but what they really have is uniformity. Mm. And as soon as someone comes in with a little bit different perspective, a little bit different view, um, that there, then there's tension and division. And often that person gets run off, mm-hmm. right? And then they end up, being some of the people that are being hurt by the church, right? Mm. They went, they were mistreated, they were run off because they had this view or that view that didn't fit in with everybody else. And and they think, well, that's just the way the church is and I don't want to be any part of it. Mm. Um, and so I think, I think in our current context, and I don't want to get into politics, but I do think that's an area where there's a lot of division and where, where we get in these channels and then brothers and sisters who love Jesus, who see things a little bit differently, end up warring and fighting with one another on social media. And the world sees a very divided church, mm. um, when in reality, one of the ways we're called that we're called to draw the world in is through our love our loving of each other. Mm. And so I think those are some of the hurts as well to kind of get back to what we were originally talking about. But mm-hmm. um, but anyway, I think I think I answered you there at some yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I love that that point you made about um, the hours where they're spent as a pastor, mm-hmm. meeting with people, connecting with. You. And you're right. You know, the idea that I can just go to someone that I haven't built a relationship with and just start addressing things is is probably not the wisest thing to do so what happens when i do have to enter into a relationship is you become vulnerable mm-hmm. so i think that's another aspect too is that maybe i don't want to get hurt so i don't enter that relationship the closer you are with people the more they see your flaws the more you see their flaws i experienced this um i had some friends over uh maybe about a month two months ago and my wife and i had just had like an argument or something and i can feel i feel the tension uh-huh. and you realize that as your friends are there you're like man you know this is this is making me uncomfortable but this is what it is, is that people see you in your daily life, seeing that you're real, but also seeing how you resolve things and how you do things with them, being around with others um, and with your family. Mm-hmm. So I just remember feeling very vulnerable. And I feel like that, not all the time, I think what, when you develop trust with people, you don't feel like that anymore. You just, right. hey, this is who I am, this is my family, and you're just there. But I think that point you made about meeting people there is what makes everything more trusting to be able to share those types of things. Yeah, I agree. And I think vulnerability is a is is a big deal. And and again, like like we've said on multiple things today, it cuts both ways, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as a church, we elevate our leaders and we expect them to be perfect, mm-hmm. right? And then so as a leader, they will distance themselves because they don't want the church to see them in their natural habitat, right? They don't want the church to see their flaws because they're expected to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and but then, but then the flip side of that is, as leaders, we can insulate ourselves um, because maybe we like teaching the Bible, but we don't necessarily like getting our hands dirty in people's lives, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and that's preaching is a wonderful thing. But preaching and pastoring are not synonyms. Pastoring is a different thing, right? So if you're going to pastor, you need to be able to preach, but ultimately you're pastoring this body of people, Mm -hmm. which means getting your hands dirty, kind of going through life with them, being vulnerable with them, them being vulnerable with you, um, cultivating those types of relationships which again is hard, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and if you if you endeavor to do that, you're because we're flawed. We're going to make mistakes. People are going to be disappointed. Their feelings are going to get hurt. But hopefully, we've developed the relationship capital that we can work through those things mm-hmm. and not just them get mad and bounce and go to the next place down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, I think vulnerability is huge. And that's something I've learned overseas and in, in working in, in, in Brazil primarily is just leading by consensus and, and being able to, to, as a leader, to accept being told no. Hmm. Like until, until the body as a whole is ready to move, we got to wait. Yeah, and that's hard. <laughs> again, that doesn't foster rapid growth and big yeah. numbers, but I think it it fosters deep roots, mm-hmm. and and ultimately a healthy local church. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to be vulnerable, and you can't be you can't be vulnerable if you're tucked away in your study. Uh, and again, I'm not undermining study. Study is important. Mm-hmm. Preaching you, is yeah. is is extremely important. Um, and, and you don't just get up there willy-nilly and just spout off stuff. You right. need to put in the work. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not an either-or. You've mm-hmm. got to put in the work to, to preach, but you've got to put in the work relationally with those people as well mm-hmm. um, if you want to be able to impact their lives. Mm-hmm. And, and I think and if you want them to be able to take hard truth from you and, and not and not leave Mm -hmm, you've mm -hmm. you've got to have cultivated a relationship with them to make that happen yeah no i agree that's a good point and the the vulnerability aspect um i I think was was real key as well because you can't be expected to be perfect and also be vulnerable they they kind of cancel each Mm -hmm. other out almost so it's uh one of those things and both people in the relationship right and there's always someone testing the waters right I noticed that in group sessions when we are talking about a particular issue, it takes one person to share something that determines how deep the group is going to go. Mm-hmm. So this person shares about, I don't know, a divorce or something. Boom, they go here. And then someone goes d- deeper and deeper. Yeah. So it always just takes that one person. And sometimes that's from the pastor. Sometimes that's from a congregant, a member. Yep, I would agree. Um, but no, that, that's really good. So to kind of wrap up here, I know we've been talking about being hurt by the church. So typically it's church members or maybe even people in leadership who were hurt by the pastor or whatever the mm-hmm. case is. Um, how should they respond? What is a biblical response then to being hurt by the church? I know uh, at the beginning we talked about coming in with the mentality of serving the church. But when someone has been abused, whether it be their energies, their time spent, um, whether it be, uh, you know, spiritual abuse, you know, your faith is this or that or, and so mm-hmm. on. What is a biblical response for our listeners to kind of hear um, about that? Okay. Well, I, I take an approach that may be a little different than, than maybe what some of the folks are accustomed to. I don't know. I, I would say one, like if you got mad last week because they didn't play the song you liked, or, you know, you didn't, you know, they, they got a different color carpet than you wanted. Like, that's not what I'm talking about here. Sure. That's like you just need to get over it and <laughs> right. you need, and, and it's not about you. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we're talking people that have um, genuinely been hurt, they've been abused, they've been uh, kind of, you know, used up or, or cast aside or whatever the case may be. Um, I do think that that you should follow a biblical approach. I think I don't think you should just bounce. I think you should go and address. Now, in the case of abuse, get out. Very complicated. Yeah. Get out. Find safety. Call the authorities. Do whatever you need. Do, do what needs to be done. Um, if there's abuse in a church, the authorities need to be handling it, not the elders of the church. Mm. Right. So, so I, if there's danger, if someone's being hurt, get out. But outside of that, go to the leadership, address them, and if if they if they reject you, if they're unwilling to, to be heard or whatever, and then then I think it's okay to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think you should just you know I I don't like this so I'm out. Mm-hmm. Um, they 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 didn't give to this so I'm out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if there's genuine hurt and you've gone and you've tried. Uh, to address it and you're not able to move forward, um, then I think it's okay to leave. And and I, I'm even I, I even say like for someone to leave the local church and be out of church for a season, I'm not gonna say that's wrong. Like if you've been hurt 
and you need to be out for a while and, and just heal and recover, you know, like, like Elijah at the brook, you know, just resting and recouping, like take that time. I think that's okay. Mm. But ultimately, ultimately God does his work in the world primarily through the church. And that's mm. primarily through the local manifestations of the church. Mm. And so at some point, whether you've been hurt or not, you are called to be in community in a local church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some things that we've done at the church that I lead, um, uh, when we set it up, the, my buddy and I, when we were setting it up, we did some intentional things that I think make it conducive for people who've been hurt to maybe come and and try it and stick around. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately kind of been our experience. Most of the people we have, that's, that's the background they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and, and so I think, I think, you know, an area where people are often hurt in a church or where there's often problems is money. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think as a church, there's things that you can do um, around money checks and balances you can put in uh, to ward off some of those problems. At the church that I lead, we don't take up an offering. There's a One, I don't think tithing is a New Testament principle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're called to manage what God has given you, and, and, and that's between you and the, and the Lord. Um, we have an offering box. If someone wants to give, they go up. But we don't take an offering. I never ask for money. Um, we never say anything about money. Mm-hmm. Now, if I come to a passage of Scripture that deals with money, I'll preach on money. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. we, but that, that's one thing that we did. We also give 20% off the top. We're saying off the top, no matter what, we're going to give 20% to, further, to make disciples among the nations, mm-hmm. locally and globally. And, and, and we're going to live on what's left. So I think, I think there's things you can do around some of these issues. Uh, accountability. Right. If, if people are coming out of a pastor CEO situation where they were abused, then then they need to look for a church that's got good biblical polity, where there's a plurality of elders, where there's accountability, where the, the congregation is empowered and, 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 and it's it's encouraged. Hold us accountable. Mm. Right. If you see something that looks weird to you, come and ask us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, so those are things that I think people can do. Um, and, and then we and we did some other things we, that we could get into that on another podcast if you wanted. But, mm-hmm. but I think if if you've left the church, I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think I think a season of healing is is okay. And how long that season is, I don't know. But I do think that ultimately. God is at work in the world primarily through his church. Mm-hmm. And, and if you are going to be engaged with God and what he is doing in the world, you, you need to be connected to a local church. Um, and, and I think if you're going to be living in faithfulness, at some point you need to get back around to the idea of finding a local church. Uh, but, but look for one that doesn't have the red flags from what you've experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe maybe it's not the most charismatic preacher. Maybe they don't have 500 people. Maybe they don't have every program that you think is needed. Mm-hmm. But if they've got good leadership in place and there's good checks and balances and it's a healthy environment where you're welcomed and accepted, that's what's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe some of those other things aren't, aren't as important as you once thought they were. Yeah. And I can tell you they're not. Right. Uh. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a, that's a good reminder. I think, uh, yeah, just for, for going into every church experience or right, every single, once someone's been hurt to go back to church is to not look for the red flags also, because you'll find it if you're looking for something specifically. And what I mean by that is if you were hurt because someone didn't do the music well, or, and, you know, you kind of addressed this earlier, um, is not to go and looking for those things because you will find them. Try to find the good first and those things, they'll start to come out as you engage the church more, I think, because you're relating to people and as you get closer to people, you start seeing more and more and then um, and being able to discern from there. Yeah, it's funny you say that. Now, 
I hesitate to say this because I, I don't want to sound like I'm boasting. This is one person's experience. Mm-hmm. But I've got a friend who's, who's a part of our church. He's not a member, uh, but he's a regular attender who was hurt by the church and had been out of church for years. I, maybe not so much hurt by the church, but just kind of had gotten uh, jaded, a little jaded, and was out of church and would occasionally visit churches and and it was just a matter of finding everything wrong. Mm-hmm. And he came to visit our, our, our church uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and when he got home, his wife asked him, well, okay, well, what's wrong? And he <laughs> said, I literally could not find anything. Mm-hmm. Now, again, that's not to boast in our church. There's, there's yeah, plenty sure. of issues that you could find yeah. at our church. But he had a problem where he was going and doing exactly what you said. Everywhere he went, he was going and making mental notes of everything wrong that they did. They did this. Pastor said that. They did did this. They did that. And then God's just grace and mercy Mm. and providence... When he came to visit us, it was a good week, and, and things things worked out well. Yeah, and 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 that was enough to get him to come back. Mm-hmm. And then he came back again, and and now a couple years in, he he comes consistently. That's awesome. Um, but he'd been out of church for years, mm-hmm. um, and so so it's a it's a process. Yeah, people yeah. don't people don't leave get hurt leave the church for years and then show up one Sunday ready to like, you know, roll up their sleeves and kick down the door and just do whatever. Um, So our history as a church has been one of people healing and now like starting to re-engage in mission and ministry, Hmm. which is kind of cool, kind of cool to see, but it's a, it's a process. Um, And, and I think people who've been hurt by the church need to find a place that understands this is a process, and if you are spotty in attendance or what we understand, you know, and just love them and encourage them and walk mm. with them uh, through healing is ultimately the kind of place they need to find. Absolutely. So. Yeah, definitely agree. Definitely agree. Well, Patrick, thank you for being on the show today. I think we covered a good a good amount of, of church and how to deal with, with hurt within the church, and I appreciate you sharing uh, your perspective and yeah it's great to have you on Thank good you. to be here thank you and guys uh, I'll put up links to uh, to this episode as well as to um, more information if you want to know more about um, Patrick's church I'll put that information on there and also about his ministry living bread ministries correct mm-hmm. better ministries so yeah thank you guys for tuning in I'll see you guys next time Thank you again for tuning in today, guys. I really appreciate it. Your support means a lot to me, and I really look forward to doing these each and every week. If you would like to continue supporting the podcast, one of the things you can do is go to your Apple podcast and find the Genesis of Shame there and then subscribe to it. That really helps it get some traction on the iTunes podcast and will allow this to be heard by many more people. You can also follow me on Spotify and other major podcast platforms. Thank you again, guys. Have a great day.